Some say we are entering a recession as we go into 2023. As you look at your marketing budget, your marketing spend might be reduced next year. In this environment, when you have little marketing budget, influencer marketing might be your best marketing investment yet. You'll learn more as to why this is the case in this next episode of the Your Digital Marketing Coach Podcast. Digital, social media, content influencer, marketing, blogging, podcasting, vlogging, TikToking, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, SEO, SEM, PPC, email marketing. Whew. There's a lot to cover. Whether you're a marketing professional, entrepreneur, or business owner, you need someone you can rely on for expert advice. Good thing you've got Neil on your side. Because Neil Schaefer is your Your digital digital marketing marketing coach. coach. Helping you grow your business with digital first marketing, one episode at a time. This is your digital marketing coach, and this is Neil Schaefer. Hey, everybody. Neil Schaefer here, your digital marketing coach. Welcome to my podcast. If you are new here, I want to welcome you and let you know that once a week, I publish content about a variety of digital content influencer, social media marketing advice, hoping to give you one little nugget of information, advice, a tip that can help you get maximum ROI from what little time you might invest listening to this podcast. Half of my podcasts are solo, half are interviews. Today is an interview episode. Obviously, if you are one of my loyal subscribers. I want to thank you for tuning in. I know that you have a lot of choices when it comes to podcasts. And as you heard from my previous episode, when it comes to social media marketing, I am always trying to up the quality of every single piece of content that I publish and make it impactful. Now, we have discussed influencer marketing many times on this podcast. As I wrote a book on the topic, you can imagine. But this is something we have not talked about, which is... When you have a little marketing budget, why influencer marketing makes a lot of sense. Today, my special guest is Nisarg Shah. He is the co-founder and CEO of Affable.ai, which is an influencer management platform trusted by more than 100 leading global brands and more than 4,000 data-driven marketers. So he's definitely an expert in the field. He comes with a lot of experience And well, he delivers that from our conversation uh, about all these things about, you know, the ROI of authentic and relatable content of during a recession that people turn towards trusted voices and really the massive ROI and massive reach when you leverage influencers as part of your partnership marketing, which is a fancy word for affiliate marketing that we do today. So I hope you enjoyed this interview. I know that I did. So, hey, without further ado, here is my interview with Nisarg Shah of Affable.ai. You're listening to your digital marketing coach. This is Neil Schaefer. Nisarg, welcome to the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. Thank you so much, Neil, for having me here. I'm super excited to discuss all things influencer marketing, especially with you, who's written a book around it, who's thought leader and an influencer yourself in the space. I've learned a lot from your content and look forward to adding some of my own learnings. Oh, well, thank you. You know, I think a lot of the listeners here understand the benefits that influence marketing can have. And I think 
In this conversation, we're going to uncover some additional benefits that I've never spoken of uh, on this podcast. So I'm really excited as well to learn from your perspective and what you're hearing in the market. I guess like with all of my other guess, you know, influence and marketing wasn't a buzzword when we were both born. So um, how did you get started with influence and marketing? And then uh, you are the co-founder and CEO of Affable. So how did that also lead into your starting a new company? Well, we get this a lot, especially because me and my co-founder, we don't come from an influence marketing world. We're both software engineers. And uh, that way, we're kind of like outsiders to the influencer industry. Back in 2017, you know, we were noticing a lot of push in the influencer space. I was in Singapore and Asia and China with live commerce um, and, and, and its growth in the last five years. Asia has been at the forefront of just working with celebrities and influencers as a way of word of mouth. And we had a hypothesis. Now, our hypothesis was that the future of commerce is going to be driven by social rather than search. That means people would buy while scrolling on Instagram rather than searching on Google or Amazon. And if you think about it, in the last five years, a lot of that has come true. Uh, but if the future is social commerce, then brands would need a way uh, to predictably grow their social commerce, have uh, micro and nano influencers talk about them on an ongoing basis. Uh, the process was very manual. We spoke to a lot of brands, figured that there is a big opportunity and a big white space to streamline processes. And that's what gave birth to Affable. So you come from an area, and I wrote about this in the Age of Influence, but I do believe that China, Southeast Asia, those are the countries that are actually most advanced in influencer marketing. And would you say that when you started the company, and it's funny because I consider myself an outsider to the industry as well when I wrote the book <laughs> and I was trying to get, you know, case studies from companies who, you know, didn't respond and now they're all responding. But I'm just curious, back then, before you started the company, you talk about like streamlining processes, et cetera, et cetera. Were there other solutions in the market and what were the gaps that you found in them that you were trying to cover with this new technology you've developed? Yes, back in 2017, most of the solutions in the market were either um, an agency offering an influencer management as a service or they were marketplaces where influencers could sign up, brands could sign up and then connect between themselves. They were not really integrating with the existing tech stack that the brand was already using or they were not bringing in the transparency and authenticity uh, in the influencer marketing space, which is, you know, which was lacking back in 2017. So the solution we set out to build uh, was kind of pillared around the fact that one, it should not be a solution in silo. You know, it should talk to the remaining systems that the marketing teams or the brands already use. And second, it should focus a lot on transparency and authenticity while removing the black box from the whole influencer ecosystem. Uh, giving more insight to the brand of who's a relevant influencer, how to find them, how to reach out to them, what's the conversion, who's running what kind of sales for you. A lot of data-driven decisions were not being taken back in 2017. Obviously, the industry has matured in the last five years. Uh, there's a lot of players in the space now building tools. Um, and, you know, it's like it's a gold rush. Once you realize where the gold is, you all were taking And that's the, um, uh, in the hindsight we had back in 2017. Yeah, definitely, definitely seen a lot of gold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, a lot of it is turning out to be true. Yeah, indeed. Uh, there's definitely been, I, I was just saying there, there's definitely been a lot of uh, 
of players in this gold rush. And um, there's also been a little bit of consolidation in the market. I just noticed uh, someone that was actually a guest on this show maybe two years ago is now senior VP of influencer marketing at one of these other uh, tools. So it's interesting to see how people move around and how tools evolve. But obviously since you're both software engineers, that would explain a lot of this unique approach that you have uh, this data driven approach, which I, I agree is, is sort of necessary in the market. So when we were discussing what we were going to talk about beforehand, you know, you hear a lot in the market about this upcoming recession. Now I'm, I'm, you know, the one who says when I talk about things like influencer marketing, it should be always on and it's not a campaign. It's on. And, you know, when I think of like Apple, they're not going to delay the launch of iPhone 15 because there's a recession. Right. <laughs> so there's certain things that right. as as brands and as marketers, we continue to do. But I know that you have, um, you know, you, you have some insight into that. So I guess I, I want to start with one thing you talked about, even in a recession, the flexibility that influencer marketing has. So why don't why don't we you know leading up to this this conversation about what to do in recession and the benefits of influencer marketing? Why don't we start with this this flexibility that you talked about? Right. So um, definitely, there's a lot of uh, sentiment, a lot of talk about um, upcoming recession. Some say we're already in one. Some say we are going to be in one in 2023. So there's a fine line uh, in terms of where we are. But the truth is that the sentiment is in terms of preserving cash, preserving resources that you have, um, not overspending for the sake of growth. Now, this is where a lot of brands are struggling to identify avenues to push and still grow uh, in this current climate. And you know, a lot of the conversation we have with our clients, uh, it seems like they're convinced that influencer marketing is not taking a hit. Uh, they might be lowering their ad spends, they might be lowering their out-of-home or digital spends, but Influencer marketing is something they uh, do tend to continue investing on, primarily because it is one of the most flexible forms of uh, advertisement. Um, you can shift your strategy with an influencer marketing, uh, change from, let's say, paid collaborations to affiliate collaborations. Uh, you can change from uh, macro celebrity influencers to a lot of micro influencers. So there are ways to optimize on your influencer strategy, which we, you know, we see a lot of brands doing. But the very fact that they continue to work with influencers, and you know, as you mentioned, it should be an always-on strategy. It's not something where you turn it off, do it, you know, in uh, during Black Friday, and then again do it during Christmas, and then again during during Mother's Day. You don't do that with influencers. That's not effective. And brands have realized that. Brands have learned it over the last few years, and. Um, there are three main reasons why influencer marketing gives a flexible form um, in terms of marketing investment. One is it allows you to do product gifting, which not other ad formats allow you to do. Like you cannot gift a product and uh, to someone and expect a billboard advertisement to come out of it, but you can do that with influencers. So uh, the ability to find influencers who would be willing to do product gifting campaigns uh, and continue your brand awareness campaigns is something that works very well. Second is flexible form of payments. Uh, you know, we discussed this briefly, but you could pay upfront to some influencers or you could ask them to take a percentage in terms of affiliate commissions. Obviously, you want to be respectful to the creator. So if a creator has specific rate cards, you should respect that. And if they don't fit into your budget, now you have the option to work with other creators, which may be smaller, which may be more flexible. But now you have the opportunity to continue on your strategy. And finally, um, working with some creators in a very creative 
format. Uh, creators, as I say, you know, uh, a blend of influencers are out there to create content for you on your behalf. So you could direct some of the production costs, some of the content agency costs to influencers because they serve multiple purposes. They would create the content for you and publicize it on your behalf. So the value you get from a creator is much more. And in this, in these uncertain times, uh, brands are definitely kind of going back to the creators they trust and the creators they have a long-standing relationship with. Yeah, I mean, amen on all fronts. It's it's almost like influencer marketing or these more recent trends that brands are finally starting to realize about the benefits really fit well with a potential recession, right? All, all this flexibility, right. you're not locked in. And it's what's really interesting that what I've found out over time, especially, you know, talking to a lot of YouTube influencers is that depending on the influencer, it may take them time to actually create the content or do the campaign. And many of them, you know, they, they can't ask you for money until they actually finish a video series, right. what have you. There's actually companies out there that finance influencers. Influencers will pay to get a uh, an upfront fee from them and not from the brand. So it's a very, very interesting world with, as you said, lots of flexibility. So another point that I often talk about, but, you know, we were discussing this beforehand uh, and you wanted to make sure it was brought out today is the difference between your advertisement and this content that is more authentic and relatable that comes from influencers. So how is this going to help brands as well going into this recession? So um, people typically tend to trust other people. That's just our nature. That's word of mouth. I trust you because you talk about something. Entity pushing me a product. So just marketing works because uh, we trust people who are creating this content. And um, in, in these times, influencer marketing works even better because now users are careful about who they trust and they turn towards trusted voices. You think about influencers. These are creators who are trusted for a specific niche audience. Now, if you combine these three things, brands, what they get is a creator who create content as we discussed, but they are now able to broadcast message to a trusted audience which they don't necessarily get with the spray and pray. You know, if you put in a $20,000 ad budget and target every mom in Texas versus working with creators, maybe 20 of those, targeting their audiences, you get a trusted voice here versus just a spray and pray method here. And especially in these times where even people who are careful with their own buying patterns, I was reading a report where it's estimated that the Black Friday commerce sales um, may not be able to live up to the expectations as of last year because people are very uh, controlled of their spend as well. And they would want to trust someone that they can relate with rather than a brand, which is going to try and push them a product to meet its quarterly goals. Yeah, I think, you know, this is almost also something that's happened with COVID. I think who we trust online has really evolved. We've seen the emergence of TikTok as well. But at the end of the day, this raw and real content and the people behind it, those seem to be the ones that we trust more, right? Then right. those shiny looking, whether they're an ad or they're like a shiny looking mega celebrity influencer, the trust isn't as there because it doesn't seem real, right? And I think that this is yeah. a point that if maybe maybe there's people or brands listening and they did an influencer marketing campaign a few years ago, wasn't successful. Well, chances are they weren't working with the right people or the people that we'd recommend they work with today, right? Right, right. It's very important to identify your ambassadors early on. 
and not get lured away by someone who is trending or hot in the market right now because their audience may not necessarily be your target audience as a brand and you know you mentioned covid influencer marketing saw a big boost during covid uh, obviously a factor of that was people were spending more time on their phones when they were at home so a lot of the budgets were shifted towards channels that can influence people at home but at the same time uh, people uh, youtubers tiktokers started creating engaging content uh, talking about their lives and people wanted to relate to that people were looking for inspiration and uh, influencer marketing grew as an industry during covid uh, and is now standing as a pillar during upcoming recession as an industry that can wear through it rather than uh, those where the spends would go down uh, as we are noticing in, among other marketing channels right now yeah you know it's funny we all talk about the creator economy but people don't realize that you know probably a third of that creator economy if not more comes from brand collaborations, i.e. influencer marketing. So I have to remind people when, you know, when you think creator economy, think influencer marketing, because that's the backbone. And, and I think when we look back at this a few years from now, COVID really did, uh, did create this trigger that just increased that even more. Yeah. And, and a lot of, a lot of content creators became influencers. And there's like a fine line again, between these two uh, concepts, uh, but people started creating more content. Um, they also started following their passion in terms of identifying a niche, starting creating more content, getting engagement and kind of building businesses around it. Now you said very well now that one third of the creator economy is influencer marketing. It started with influencer marketing and then grew beyond it. Um, you know, influencer marketing gave birth to a career uh, that creators chose. And then there had to be an entire industry that was built to serve these creators, you know, financing these creators, giving them money so that they can run campaigns. Uh, credit cards for these creators, um, accounting solution for these creators because their taxes are completely different than a normal business. So all of this, were, all of these were built on the periphery, and now Web three and all the uh, you know amazing uh, solution that can be built around it. Uh, it's very exciting time in general in the creator economy, but influencer marketing was the backbone and the pillar around which this entire economy is being built right now. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, well, with the exception of maybe YouTube partner program, which was the only social... Ne- I mean, we talk now about these creator funds, but it was really YouTube from many years ago right. that, that offered that. But out, outside of that space, and even with that, YouTubers are trying to find growth beyond just that ad revenue. And, and guess what? It A That's lot right. of it is going to come with collaborations with, with companies. So um, I want to talk about one more thing that we discussed, and it's something I have a personal uh, a passion for, which is... You know, I believe, and probably because you're an outsider to the industry as well, that marketers have really been miseducated on what influencer marketing is and that a lot of the things have already existed. So one of those is affiliate marketing, right? You're tapping right, right. into people that have influence and you're signing it up to be affiliates, right? So it's a type of influencer right. marketing. Um, I know that this is something that as a platform sort of you built in and you're a big evangelist for leveraging influencers as influence because it gives you measurable ROI and massive reach. So I wanted to sort of tap into that, you know, what, what you see and how your product has been built to sustain that. So when we started talking to marketers, why they were excited about the potential of influence and marketing, there were two main things that they would talk about. One is the brand awareness that influencers are able to provide. And second is the, the uptick in sales. So it is obvious that when a marketer is spending a dollar, they're expecting some sort of ROI out of it. Uh, you know, it may be in whichever channel it is, 
with influencers, it is either social ROI or performance-driven ROIs. What kind of sales that influencers are able to drive? Now, influencers are amazing affiliates because they give you both. They give you an ability to reach massive, uh, ma- a massive scale, even if people don't buy. But at the same time, they give you an ability to convert. So if I'm, as a brand, if I want to work with influencers and I'm giving them products, might as well create an affiliate program out of it. This could be links, which are trackable. This could be discount codes, which are trackable as well. And depending on the channel, you have different strategies. But it goes back to my point about connecting systems that brands are already using. Now, a brand, let's say on Shopify, is already tracking the daily sales, the source through which the sale came in. They have the Google Analytics to measure traffic um, and you know source of these traffic as well. Why not incentivize the creators? to republish the content or to you know have more authenticity in the content because they would get a percentage of whatever sale they drive. If there is no affiliate component, a creator might treat it as a one-off project, especially if the brand is working with the creator on a one-off campaign. So build your advocates. And one thing that we've seen work very well uh, is converting your customers as your advocates and identifying who is an influencer among your own customer base. So, you know, we connect with Shopify, Magento, other e-commerce backends. We connect with the brand's own social channels and we help them identify who are people who are already talking about their brand or buying products from the brand and have some sort of influence. They may be nano influencers, micro influencers, high engagement, low, low saturation in terms of other brands they talk about. But Trying to help them identify these ambassadors is a big part of it. And we believe that affiliate as a channel gives brands more control on their ROS. Uh, They are able to actually track dollar to dollar the return on the investment they're making. And especially during these times, it becomes very important because they want to spend on performance-based campaigns rather than just a reach-based campaign. So you have built all this into your software, correct? Yes, that's right. So... Let me ask you, do does every influencer want to become an affiliate? This is more of a, a theoretical question. Right. I often find that, you know, you and I, we can talk about this, but then in reality, sometimes the direction we want to take relationships don't always go there because influencers are people, right? And everybody is That's in right. it for a different reason. So I'm curious, just based on your experience in working with customers, you know, what sort of conversations happen after they introduce these affiliate or discount codes to influencers? What have you seen in the market? You are actually, I think the, the question leads to a very valid point that not all influencers are open to being affiliates only. Um, they are open to the idea of having a hybrid structure where you still have some sort of paid collaboration and then you incentivize them with an affiliate strategy. Right now, what we are seeing in the market is brands and influencers typically, it's a binary. Brands are either pushing for pure affiliates and influencers are asking for pure paid collaborations. Exactly. But the balance, the balance is where you merge it and hype. So uh, one of the parts of our software is how do you uh, push out a proposed collaboration fee to the influencers and add a layer of affiliate on top of it? And you know, we've done our market research. We reach out to influencers. We ask them for their rate cards and we provide certain estimates to brands that based on your budget, we feel that these influencers might be open to a paid collaboration uh, based on what information we've collected for surveys from influencers. But I think going back, I am a big proponent of paying influencers uh, for what they deserve. Um, you know, if you're paying someone $500, 
the influencer has to pay tax on top of it and the influencer has to create content and they may have certain support staff they may be spending 10 hours and at the end of the day the hourly revenue they make does not justify what you're paying them uh, especially because they're also giving you a reach uh, rather than just content creation so the brand should take into consideration that you are able to get multiple uh, services from an influencer content creation reach uh, ambassadorship etc so there should be a a fair payout done for that uh, but the middle ground is a fixed pay plus uh, an added incentive of commissions on top of it yeah no i i couldn't agree with you more and it's almost like if an hour of your time is worth more than a $50 amazon gift card why are you pitching an influencer exactly you know such a low ball offer so i i couldn't agree with you more i do want to sort of close or come near the close of the conversation with once again, sort of this theoretical of the reality and then, uh, you know, the vision and then the reality. So I think over the last few months, well, starting with TikTok, they've created their own influencer marketplace, right? Um, right. and we see that Instagram is also starting to move in this direction. I got, you know, I got invited to the beta. I haven't really seen it uh, evolve yet. On the other hand, I won't name the name, but there's one very, very famous influencer marketing tool company that was recently kicked out of the Meta uh, Partner Program, and they no longer have access to Facebook right. and Instagram data. I'm sure <laughs> this is this is what I heard from one of their competitors at Digital Marketing World Forum last week. And then another company actually did some cold outreach on LinkedIn saying, hey, if you use them, then you don't get access to that data anymore. So I'm curious, have you seen any, because I'm assuming that as software engineers, you are tapping into the APIs of all these social networks. Do you see any changes coming or do you think that even if the Instagrams, the TikToks, the Facebooks have their own influencer marketplace, that you're still going to be able to add additional value? Uh, that's a very good question. And it is talk of the town right now, yeah. um, you know, um, especially with Meta being more interested in this economy. Generally, what we believe is as long as you're being respectful to Meta's or TikTok's API limitations, as long as you don't do um, something which is not in the terms of service, you're generally fine. And Meta doesn't have an issue with you, if, because, especially because you bring more business to them. If you think about it, this entire ecosystem of influencer marketing platforms, which is more than a billion-dollar industry in itself, is adding to Meta's visibility, adding to the content that is created there. A lot of the platforms like us, we are driving the influencer content that ends up on these uh, platforms. Now, of course, Meta would want to be protective of its uh, and other channels want to protect its content and uh, the kind of work that the creators are doing there. So uh, without going into some specific about what platform sees about Meta, I feel like in terms of the marketplace, and I wrote uh, a long uh, piece of content a couple of weeks ago where we believe that third-party platforms like ours still add a lot of value for three main reasons. One, Brands would otherwise have to go onto each respective marketplace. So you would have to go on TikTok marketplace and then Facebook marketplace and then uh, Instagram, you know, Snapchat marketplace. Um, that is troublesome uh, and it doesn't serve your campaign requirements because your campaigns are cross-channel. So that's where third-party platforms like us would still make sense. Second, um, marketplaces only give you very limited data. Um, they will not tell if, a, if an influencer has fake followers. Because it is not aligned with like you know the whole Elon Twitter battle, Twitter will never say how many bots exist on their account on on the platform. The same thing with marketplaces. As a third party, we can tell you if the followers are real or not. So that becomes very critical. And third, uh, which is the issue with any marketplace model, the scale. How many creators? And there was an article which came out recently about 
uh, creators not finding gigs on Instagram's creator marketplace because there is not enough volume on either sides. So how do you build out that volume? There's a critical mass after which marketplaces become useful. And right now, none of the creator marketplaces have reached that critical mass. So for these three reasons, third-party platforms like ours still make a lot of sense. We are able to integrate. We integrate with, you know, I mentioned Shopify, Magento, e-commerce, WooCommerce. On the other side, we also we can also integrate with e-commerce tech stack like Clavio, Sendlane, Georgius, et cetera, and build out one product that, in, that talks to the entire tech stack rather than them having to rely on 10 different products, three different marketplaces, uh, which don't talk to each other. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I thank you for the candid answer. And, and yeah, I guess, I mean, it's taken you five years to develop what you have a TikTok and Instagram They're you know, it's going to be limited to their platform and they're not going to build in all the, the analytics and everything else that you have. So I suppose it's almost like, are you the type that goes into an ads manager and wants to control everything and have all your options? Or do you just want to press the boost button? And if you're just still pressing the boost button, maybe going into a marketplace, finding someone. But uh, yeah, I, one of my clients is the TikTok marketplace and it's easy to find a limited number of people, but the results haven't really been that effective. It's, it's, the marketplace model, right? You you get what you pay for. Right. Uh, you don't have access to all the data that that your platform shows. So I think Nisarg, I mean, we we talked about man. When I talk about influencer marketing, you know, all the best practices, we covered a great deal of them <laughs> in your conversation. And and you know, I just like to say congratulations because you're. It sounds like your technology really is based on a lot of these best practices today uh, in influencer marketing. Are, are there any other areas uh, that we miss that you want to uh, you know tell my listeners about? I think generally we covered a lot of the best practices. Your listeners have already you know, heard about your thoughts on the influencer marketing industry. One thing that we are a big proponent of that we discussed is fair pay, making sure the influencers are compensated for the time they invest. And just one more thing that we tend to talk about a lot to our customers and our partners is uh, giving creative freedom to influencers. Influencers are influencers uh, because they are able to go out and create the content they know resonates with their followers. Uh, a lot of brands want to control what kind of content goes out. So generally, as a best practice, you know, if you are a brand and you're listening to this and you know, planning to work with influencers, certain guidelines, but let them come up with the content because they know what resonates with their followers the best. Uh, and different influencers would have a different tone and message that they know works best. Uh, and it is very important. And it's something we talk about a lot to our customers as well. Uh, and, you know, we've seen the results. Brands come back and tell us that the influencers where they tried to control a lot, did not did not get any kind of a conversion. Uh, but where uh, they saw any form of virality was when influencers were using their own creative uh, juice and creative freedom. So I think uh, with that, uh, we pretty much covered everything. Your book is kind of like a, a res- golden resource for everything influencer marketing. Uh, and your ongoing you know, content that you put out on your own LinkedIn channel uh, and other uh, you know, forums is super useful. I look up to that a lot. I read that a lot. I share it with my team members. So uh, with this, I think we kind of like covered a lot of what I feel uh, is the current sentiment in the market around influencer marketing. Yeah, well, thank you, my friend. And, you know, uh, we didn't talk about this before, but I actually lived in Singapore for six months at one time, uh, a lot. And so when I hear your accent, I, I think of Wai Lao and all these like Singlish, uh, terms that come <laughs> to mind. So, <laughs> and all the, uh, the roti prata breakfast, um, 
that I had with yeah. Kopi and, and all the, the food courts in Singapore. So good memories. But hey, um, just as a final note, there's probably a lot of listeners that want to check out your tool. So the URL is affable.ai. Is that correct? That's right. Affable, A-F-F-A-B-L-E, affable.ai. Um, you know, you can request a free trial. Someone from our team would get in touch and walk you through the platform, give you a trial to check it out. I am at Nisarg at affable.ai. So if you want to reach out to me directly, you can do that as well. And Nisarg, just, uh, you don't have to go into, you know, details, but I'm assuming that the business model is based on sort of a monthly fee that gives you access. What is like the price point that you start at? Is this really just for huge enterprises or is there a beginner price point that even small, medium-sized businesses can start using your platform? Um, we actually serve across the spectrum. Um, unlike a lot of the solutions in the space, which are primarily geared towards enterprises, we do have starter packages which are uh, designed and tailored specifically for SME mid-market brands. We work with a lot of Shopify brands, less than 50 employees, less than 30 employees use our software to run their entire stack with a lot of agencies who manage their client campaigns through our platform. So uh, typically our starting point is around 10,000 a year-ish. Um, and then it increases from their point onwards, depending on the requirements from the client side, which is much less compared to a lot of the platforms in the space, which start at a 25 to 30K a year annual fee. Uh, and you kind of like also log into longer term contracts with them. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely seen a lot of inflation in the influencer marketing tool space as many tools just want to serve the enterprise, like, you know, call us for pricing. Um, but it sounds like you have a tremendous amount of value add in in what you're delivering. So congratulations on that. Uh, I know that you're no longer in Singapore, you're in the Bay Area. So hopefully next time uh, when I'm up there, we'll have a chance to meet. And uh, Nisarg, thank you so much. And once again, everybody, that's affable.ai. And Nisarg, if people want to connect with you, uh, LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn is the best way. I'm very active there. I reach out, I reply to all the messages I received there as well. So find me, search on Nisarg Shah affable ai linkedin and you'll find me there uh and neil it's great chatting with you thanks a lot for having me here um you know we're both outside industry outsiders who kind of uh, have built opinions around the influencer marketing space so a uh, great chatting with you on that and i look forward to meeting you in person when you are in the area next yeah thank you my friend i like to think that when industries uh grow Industries that are growing need to grow out of themselves and they require disruptors. They require <laughs> outsiders with different perspectives to help them do that. So hopefully we've both been playing that role in our own ways. And uh, yeah, I look forward to continuing the conversation and we'll make sure that these links from the show notes. Uh, but Nisark, thank you once again for your time. Thank you so much. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. There are so many facets to influencer marketing that... I have yet to talk about because it is one of the most creative forms of marketing because you're dealing with people. And there are so many ways to think about it. I think I'm really drawn to influencer marketing. Those of you that might not know this, but originally in university, I was an art history major. And I love this, just not the art, but the analysis of the art over the ages and how it depicts culture, but the creative ways in which we can revisit uh, art history. I actually took a class on feminism in art history at Smith College uh, back in the day, and it was still a very new, very revolutionary way of thinking, uh, a, a different lens on art history that is much more mainstream today than it was back then when I was in university. So perhaps influencer marketing helps me tap into my own creative DNA, but I hope that this episode gives you one more piece of that puzzle if you're still trying to figure it out and helps you along the way to delivering more with your influencer marketing. 
Hey, if you need help along the way, did you know that I offer fractional CMO consulting services? Fractional CMO is just a fancy word for a marketing consultant that becomes almost like one of your employees. So we agree on X hours a week that I work for you. We meet in person if you're in Southern California or you want to fly me out to your premises or we meet over Zoom. And I am your employee, often a leader like a CMO, not always depending on the organization, but I am really giving you all of my knowledge and experience and advice applied to your company's unique situation. If that's of interest to you, I would love to help you. Go to neilshafer.com slash CMO and you can find out more information about that service. All right, well, that's it for another episode of the Your Digital Marketing Coach Podcast. As always, keep your eye on the goal, be an option, and we'll see you in the next episode. This is your digital marketing coach, Neil Schaefer, signing off. You've been listening to Your Digital Marketing Coach. Questions, comments, requests, links? Go to podcast.neilshafer.com. Get the show notes to this and 200 plus podcast episodes and neilshafer.com to tap into the 400 plus blog posts that Neil has published to support your business. While you're there, check out Neil's digital first group coaching membership community if you or your business needs a little helping hand. See you next time on Your Digital Marketing Coach.